0: Welcome to the New Freedom Church Podcast. This podcast will help you grow deeper in your faith through weekly 30-minute talks. If you haven't already done so, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you get each new episode as it's released. Now sit back and relax as God speaks to you through this message. There was a man who passed away and went to heaven. When he got to heaven, St. Peter, he got there and he said to St. Peter, oh man, I made it. And St. Peter said, no, wait a minute, you got one more thing before I can let you in. And he says, what's that? What's that? He says, you got to be able to spell the word love. He goes, that's easy. L-O-V-E. He says, come on in. So he's there, and St. Peter says, well, i got to step away from the desk here for a few minutes. Can you cover for me? guy says, sure, I'll cover for you. So he stands there, and a few minutes later, his neighbor comes up to heaven. He goes, wow, what happened to you? You were in such good health. He says, well, I was in a car accident, and I died, and I'm up here. I'm, I'm to enter heaven, and his friend says, wait a minute, you gotta, there's one thing you have to do before you can get in. There's a test we, uh, you have to take, and it's a spelling test. He goes, what's that? He goes, can you spell Czechoslovakia? <laughs> what that tells me is, see, what we're guilty of is we make sure that some people have to do more than us to get into heaven. We want to judge them, you know. Oh, man, they, really? Really? They're up there? They're, they're, they're going to go to heaven? Most people, he shouldn't be here. They don't live as good of a life as I do. They don't live the right way. They have some faults. Ha! Huh. Anybody here have faults? Anybody here have sins? If you don't think you do, you're lying, the Bible says. But today, I want us to talk about something that's extremely important. In my life, and has been. And I learned this three ways. I learned it from my loving wife, and from my daughter, and from a pastor friend. What that is is called a word called forgiveness. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is one of those things that can ruin our lives. Unforgiveness, not forgiveness, unforgiveness can ruin our lives. If we hang on to things that we haven't forgiven people for, they turn into bitterness. And bitterness will destroy us. Will destroy us. I was in a church that split. And the pastor took, oh, we were members there, and it took 80% of the people on a lie. And so there were like 12, 14 of us left in the church. That's all. And we hosted a community Thanksgiving. Imagine that. Thanksgiving uh, service for the whole community And this man who split the church, who split up friendships, who split up marriages, because one went, one stayed, or family stayed, friends that we had forever, we didn't see him anymore. It was terrible. But this is is about three years later, and we have this service, and all the churches would participate in it. And this service... This particular man and his church came, and they participated in the service, and we held it at our church. I wasn't the pastor yet. I'm sitting in the back, and I'm going, God, how could you let that man come in this church after what he did to it? How can you allow him to be here? Oh, I was so angry. I didn't know I was angry until I saw him. This anger and this unforgiveness welled up in me, and it was terrible. If it hadn't been in our church, I'd have left. Well, the service went through, and and after the service, I'm standing out in the area where we're having refreshments, and he's standing in the sanctuary. And I'm standing there, and again, I'm going, Lord, how on earth could you ever let this man here, After what he did to families, what he did to friends, what he did to this church. And the spirit said to me, Dennis, you can't feel that way. I go, what do you mean I can't feel? He says, you can't feel. That's a Christian brother. You cannot hold that feeling against him. You can't do it. Of course, I'm arguing with him. You ever argued with God? (laughs) Never win. And so I'm standing there and I'm I'm looking at him. And the Lord says to me, spirit said, Dennis, you need to go. Talk to him and apologized to him. I go, what well, do I have anything to apologize for? I didn't do anything. He's the one that caused all the problem. He says, yeah, but now you have a problem. You have a problem of unforgiveness, and you can't harbor that. If you want to be the man for me, you say you want to be. So I said, I'm going, Lord, I'm not going. I'm not going to talk to him. I'm not going over there. I'm not going near him. I want him to leave. And so I find myself walking toward him. Someone is pushing me in the back. I'm walking and walking, and finally I get to him and I see him. I go, and as I'm walking, I'm going, Lord, I'm not talking to him. You're going to have to speak through me because I'm not talking to the man. So I get to him he goes, hey, Dennis, how are you doing? I go, will you forgive me? And he goes, "This this is the kicker. He goes, what for? I harbored all this bitterness and kept it in and I didn't realize it and he didn't even know I was upset. Most of the time people that you want uh, forgiveness from don't even know they hurt you. Unforgiveness only was hurting me. He didn't know what was going on. It just... And, and when I said that to him, i got to tell you, it felt like a million pounds lifted off my shoulders. It felt like I could float. I was free. But well, long story short, uh, he was, he's a pastor, and he and I became, we got back, our friendship back, we started walking together, and, and he eventually died a few years later, and I had the honor of preaching his funeral. But that unforgiveness could have destroyed me. Also, in three months' time, the Lord put me in the pulpit. It was something that was holding me back, and it was unforgiveness. There could be something in your life that's holding you back, unforgiveness or something. Maybe you don't even realize it. I didn't realize that I felt that badly about this person. But show me, there might be somebody, because I know somebody has hurt you. I know somebody has disappointed you. I know somebody you'd like an apology from that you're never going to get. But forgiveness is for you, not them. Unforgiveness is a sin. It's a sin. Even, it even says, so much so, it even says in, second, in uh, Corinthians... Uh, when they were talking about uh, the Lord's Supper, it says this. Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy way will be guilty of sin against their body and blood of the Lord. So man should examine himself in this way. He should eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For whoever eats and drinks without recognizing the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. Before you ever take communion, you need to make sure that your heart is right with God and with other people or you shouldn't take it. That's what that scripture says, that's what Paul says. There's another scripture, uh, I was looking for it, and it says before you go and give your gift to the altar, make sure that you are right with your friends and your family, you're not holding anything. This is how silly unforgiveness is. When I was a coach, I worked in the school and. This other coach was a thorn in my side, and uh, I coached boys, he coached girls. Well, here a few years ago, the girls from his school had an undefeated season. They were going into the state tournament. (laughs) And I found myself rooting against them, my school, because of him. Isn't that silly? That's just absolutely ignorant. Unforgiveness, unforgiveness. Now, sometimes you have to forgive somebody and you'll never ever be able to talk to them about it, but you still have to do it in your heart because your heart's the most important place for the unforgiveness to be. Because you can say anything, but do you mean it? We say a lot of things we don't really know what we're saying, we don't really mean. I mean like, I love you, what's that mean? We use to throw that word around like crazy. You can forgive somebody, you can do this, but the way we live, our actions show our true heart. Show our true heart. That's our testimony is who we are, not what we say. Not what we say, it's who God says we are. It's who God says we are. He says we're a delight. I don't know about you, but I never thought of Wayne Thomas as a delight. But God says he's a delight. So he's a delight. <laughs> I love you, Wayne. I can only say that stuff about Wayne because I know he doesn't take it personally. He probably isn't even hearing me. <laughs> it probably has the hearing aids turned off. But we're going to to the story today, and it's, it's often called the story of the prodigal son. But nowhere in Scripture does it call the, the guy a prodigal. He says he was guilty of prodigal living. Prodigal living is what his guilty was. This story has three per- characters in it. It can be called a lot of things besides the story of the prodigal son. Mine says the pro- parable of the lost son. It can be called the parable of the forgiving father. Or it could be, about the, thir- it could be the parable of the entitled son. because There's a third person in who was entitled, and he got mad because he was entitled, because he didn't get what everybody else got. So as we go here, we're looking at it. A man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, this is in Luke 15, chapter uh, chapter 15, verse 11. A man had two sons. The younger of them said to the father, Father, give me the share of the estate I have coming to me. So he distributed the assets. Not many days later, the younger son gathered them all, and he had traveled a distance to a country, and he squandered his estate in foolish living after he spent everything a severe famine struck. This son went to his father and said, I want my, I want my share. Now, what's a share? Well, in biblical, for, biblically, it says that two sons, the oldest son should get the biggest share, and uh, uh, two-thirds of the estate, the younger son, one-third. So the younger son got one-third, and he turned it into money, and he went and blew it. See, also in biblical times, we have to understand that sons represented their family, so as sons were, their families were thought of. I remember this used to bug the heck out of me. My parents would say, Dennis, if you get in trouble, you're a reflection of us. It makes us bad people. That's what was, That's biblical. At the time, I didn't know it was biblical. I was just upset that, I mean, everything, I could watch while everything I do. I, at least the little thing I do wrong, it reflects on you. Anyway, so he got one-third. The other son would get two-thirds. He said he squandered it on foolish living, prodigal lifestyle. What's that mean? Well, a prodigal lifestyle is a lifestyle that's wasteful. They spend money freely, and they they live recklessly. Don't hold your hands up, but I'll hold mine up. Anybody ever been guilty of that? I have. All of us are if you want to use the word prodigal, are prodigals. We've all been places we shouldn't go, done things we shouldn't do, spent money we shouldn't have spent it, drank too much, maybe used drugs, I don't know, chased women, whatever it is. It's reckless living. It's rampant in the world. We think this world is so bad, but go back and read about Jesus' time. It's no different. That's what's sad the, the way people lived in biblical times is no different than the way we live today. What on heck is wrong with us? Why haven't we learned? Why haven't we learned how to live the way we should live? You know, why, don't we, why aren't we the most loving, the most generous, the most forgiving, the most merciful people in the world? That's what we're called to be. He goes on to say, a severe, sa-, verse fourteen, a severe f- famine struck the country, and he had nothing. Then he went out to work for one of the citizens that could country could send him to field to field, feed his pigs. Now the people that were hearing this story would have gasped, oh, pigs! I couldn't have made it back then because I love bacon. <laughs> the guys before I left, I, lo- I had this sign at my house. The guys in the men's, bobs- or men's breakfast gave to me says, in case of emergency, administer bacon. bacon. I love bacon. I eat bacon about every day. But from back then, that was unclean. The Jewish people had nothing to do with pigs. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. They were, it was low. It was terrible. They, uh, they, they, they didn't want anything to do with them. They didn't want to touch them. And there this man was feeding them. And we even find out that later he got so hungry he wanted to eat the food they ate. Again, the people in the audience hearing this would have just been, oh my goodness, this guy is really bad. So here we have a young boy who got a third of his father's estate. Now also it was if, if estates were divided between the sons, the father, if he was alive, still got, some of the, got profits from the estate. So the father was taken care of. So now, we'll find out a little later when the older son was, was upset, it's probably he's thinking, man, I gotta, I gotta give my father more of my money now because I'm the only one supporting him. Because my other brother just spent all his, he's got Nothing left. Nothing left. It said, when he came to his senses, verse 17, it says, how many of my father's hired hands have more than enough food? Here I am dying of hunger. I'll get up and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. When we sin, we don't just sin against another person. We also sin against God. Why? Because that person is made in God's image. See, what we think sometimes are little secret sins that we have or sins we hide that we haven't let go of yet, we don't realize how much they affect more than just us or how unforgiveness affects more than just us. It affects other people, can affect our family in so many ways. So he got up, went to his father, and while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion. Filled with compassion. Compassion is a a, a strong, strong emotion. He threw, he ran, he threw his arms around his neck, kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. You know, unfortunately, we probably all know someone who feels that way because this, story, this parable is about God and how he loves us. How he is so willing to forgive us. Do you know anybody or have you ever talked to anybody who said, oh, God could never forgive me for things I've done. I have a good friend that was in Vietnam. Can't get him to come to church. She's in awful shape. Dennis, you don't know what I did over there. God could never forgive me for that. Some of you might be saying, well, God can never forgive me this out of the other. You can't out God's forgiveness. You can't out his forgiveness. Because he is always there, just like this, waiting for us. Just like the father here. It says the father, what, he ran? He ran to meet him, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. See, even back then, I like this rule, this law. Older men weren't supposed to run. That's really probably a good thing for all of us to remember. (laughs) Not all of us, some of us. Because (laughs) as we get older, I find myself thinking I can do things I can't do. I used to be able to do them. Can't do them now. I broke my wrist. I had to have surgery on it because I was doing something I shouldn't have been doing. I thought I could do, but I couldn't. I was playing pickleball. My wife told me not to. Don't play. Don't play. Don't play. I know you, you can't play for fun. Oh, yeah, Joy. I'm 72 years old now. I can play for fun. I don't need to win anymore. She says, don't play. But I did. And sure enough, we were playing and, and just hitting the ball around, and somebody decided to want to keep score. Bad idea. So there was a the ball, I went after it. And as I went, my balance is really bad. My wife's up here worried to death I'm standing too close to the edge. And... Uh, and that's why I move around a lot, too, because my balance is bad, so I have to keep moving. I can't stand still. So, and I went after this ball, and what I did, I caught my foot, and I tripped. I went headlong, flat out, into the net, into the, into the uh, court. I broke my glasses. I cut my eye, skinned up my knees, and in the palm of my hand. My wrist hurt really bad, but I'm laying there, and they turned me over and said, Dennis, are you okay? Oh, we got to stop that bleeding. Are you okay? I said, guess what I asked? Did I get the point? (laughs) Right then, guess who flashed before my eyes? My lovely wife. I hate it when she's right. She's right too much. But I was doing something I shouldn't have done. I was telling somebody this morning, somebody told me said, Dennis, when you get to your age, and I'm not old, I'm still young. I'm not old like Wayne. And and, uh, it says that what happens is your mind writes checks that your body can't cash. And that's me. So i got to learn, again, who I am. I have to be smart about what I do and what I don't do. But he ran. And, And back then, old men were not supposed to run. But he ran. Not only ran, he ran to his son who had spent his money made his name bad in the community because of the way he lived, here he is running to meet him. I'd picture it. i picture him, if it was me, I'd be sitting on the porch every day just waiting. Is he coming? Has he come back yet? I mean, I don't know how many years. It doesn't say how long he was gone. But he ran to meet him. So he told his slaves, in verse 22, Father told his slaves, quick, bring out the best robe. The best robe was a symbol of, for an honored guest. Sandals on his feet. Only, only servants did not wear sandals. He had been a servant. Now he's a servant of his father. But his father, no, 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 no. You're my son. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. You're my son. Put some, put some shoes on your feet. Put some shoes on your feet. And bring bring the fatty calf and slaughter, and let's celebrate. Now, this story is important because all of us know a prodigal could be a daughter, could be a brother, sister, could be a mother or father, could be an aunt, uncle, could be a friend. There are people who are living the way God doesn't want them to live. And he wants them back. He wants you back. See, God's not mad at you when you do wrong. He is not mad at you. He is waiting for you to call his name so he can make you clean again. There's no sin that you commit can commit that's beyond God's forgiveness. Now, If we take that standard for ourselves, what's that mean? If we have someone who returns, has been living a way that we don't agree with or don't appreciate with and they come back, do we accept them with open arms? Do we have a party? No, we do this. What's wrong with you? you? What are you thinking living that way? you know what they're going to do? They're going to turn around and run back to the same way they came from. See, as parents and as Christians, we want to influence people by the way we live, right? There's a saying, you can't influence someone and antagonize them at the same time. If you want to antagonize and keep bringing it up with the people who do this, they're never, they're never going to come around. I wasn't going to say this, Joy, but I am. We have a daughter who's living a prodigal lifestyle. And when we talked to her about how we felt about it, for 10 years we didn't hear from her. See, I think we antagonized instead of influenced. So we were always trying to fix it. know, yeah, I'm a fixer. I don't know about you. I, I can fix anything. I'll fix people. We can fix We want to fix everybody. We got all the answers, right? And God said to us, Dennis, said Joanna, you, you can't fix her. But I can. Don't get into my business, he says. You do your part, let me do my part. Your part is to love her and pray for her. Then you let me do my part and I'll change her. It may not be tomorrow. It may not be five years. It was 10. But the story ends really good. Because a couple years ago, she called us and invited us to her home. So I said, "Joy, we're going. I don't care what we got to do. What's going? On, we're leaving. We're going." So we went and spent time with her, and we spent time with her this this trip, and it's wonderful. God, a little bit of little, little little bit of time is restoring that relationship because He can. I can't. I'll say the wrong things. I'll do the wrong things. I'll get angry when I don't need to be angry because you're so disappointed. And I know some parents, don't get into this. Oh, I'm a bad parent. Look how my kids have turned out. Oh, that's terrible. No, 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 no. You know, we had to understand. How, I spent a lot of time, Pastor Joe and I, talking about it. And we were like, Dennis, you didn't raise her that way. No. She's an adult now. he goes, How's that make you a bad parent? You raised her the way she was supposed to be. She decided on her own to go another path. There's that free will that we all have that can get us in trouble. but We have that free will. God isn't going to make you and me do anything. He wants us to come freely because freely he has given to us. Freely we need to give forgiveness and love. So the greatest thing happened this trip. When we left, I said to her, Meg, makes me feel so wonderful how happy you are. And she is, she's genuinely happy. She's a great job, successful, and she's happy. I'm so excited to see how happy you are. For the first time, I don't know how many years, my daughter hugged me and told me she loved me. That's redemption. That's how God works, because of forgiveness. Forgiveness. He will restore, just like this father. His, this father could have said, hey, get out of here. You've lost all my money. I don't want you around my house. He didn't do that. He said, come on, come on, let's have a party. Let's celebrate. And I know people, too, that have, have been Christians a long time, and, and somebody's lived a horrible so all of a sudden they come front and they accept Jesus, and we're going like, Man, I can't believe it. I've been serving him all this time. Now all of a sudden he comes in this late and he's going to to get the same things I get. Well, that's what the older son said, right? That's what he said. But he wants us to return to him, ask for forgiveness. But the most important thing that comes is next, repent Forgiveness without repentance is hollow forgiveness. Because repent means what? To change and go the other way. Change from the way you're living. Change from what you're doing. So if we don't repent, the forgiveness, we go, I know people who ask forgiveness go right back in the same lifestyle. Doing the same things. They think they're okay because God forgave them. Well, yeah, he forgave them. They're also, we also have consequences for, for the things we do that God is going to do in us. See, when we ask for forgiveness and we have to go on to repentance, see, God gives us that choice. He's not going to ask, he's not going to make me to ask for forgiveness. He's not going to make me repent. We have to open our hearts and our lives, and know to return to him that he's just waiting there, just waiting for us, just waiting for, for his children. We're his children. Think about this, as parents, most of you here are parents. What's it like? What was it like when you' a kid who used to come and crawl up on your lap and snuggle with you and tell you tell, and they told you they loved you. That's what I picture God wants. He wants us to just crawl up in his lap and love him and allow him to love us. See, I come from a family that was an extremely loving family. We're one of those families that when you leave, you start to leave about a half hour earlier because by the time you hug everybody, you'll leave on time. And so I learned that from, well, my mother, my mother died when I was 36 years old. She's been gone over 40 years, my father, well, my father 40 years, her more than 40. And so I learned something from her, and it's a rule that we have in our house. Right, Mallory? What's our rule? Never too old to sit on my dad's lap. That's a rule. You should never get too old to sit on your mom and dad's lap. I don't care how old they are. You won't break them. My mother, I was was a grown man. I'd sit on her lap every time I saw her because I cared so much for her and I miss her to this day so much. But my mother used to tell me, Dennis, there's not anything you can do that will keep us from loving you. That's what God says to us. We said to our kids, kids, there's not anything you can do that will ever make us stop loving you. God is saying to us, there's not anything you do in your life that I can't forgive and will keep me from loving you. Now, it would have been real easy for us when our daughter, we came back together. It would have been real easy to go, what on earth are you, have you been doing? What are you thinking? Don't you know how awful that is? And so on and so forth. We could have done that. But no. See, the father didn't ask him a single thing about what he'd been doing. He didn't ask him, what have you been doing? Where'd you spend all that money? What's wrong with you? No, he didn't, he didn't ask any of those questions. He said, come on, you're back. You were lost, now you're found. So the hard part of that is when a prodigal or a prodigal living person comes back, it's is not about what they did. It's about what they're going to do. Just like as a coach in basketball, when guys made a mistake, I said, it's not the mistake that matters. It's what you're going to do after you make the mistake. Are you going to make it again and again and again? Well, you'll be sitting over here by me. But the point being is that when we truly ask for forgiveness, truly repent, the Lord will turn us around completely. It says we are a new creature. Hallelujah. 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 God made me a new creature. Most of you didn't know me before I came came here 12, 13 years ago. And I'm glad you didn't. Because I don't know, I don't imagine you would have liked me very much. God changed me. me. Picked me up, turned me around, put my feet on solid ground. And only he, only he can do it. If you're trying to fix your life in a different way, you're wasting your time. Only Jesus, only the Holy Spirit can move within you and change you and change you. See, God already knows he created you in his image. And so, he already knows you. He knew you to get, He knew you. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He knows everything. He knows what we're going to say before we say it. He knows every thought we think. He knows everything we do. We've everything we've done. Why do we think we can hide it from him? We can't hide it from him. He wants us to tell him crawl up on my lap, Dennis, tell me all about it. Okay. I can do that. That image resonates with me. And I love to hug my kids, I love to hug my wife, and most of you know I love to hug everybody. To me, hugging, hugging to me is a love language. It's not in the list that uh, what Chapman does, but it's, it's a love language. I guess it's physical touch. But what I noticed, during the, during the uh, pandemic, that's one of the things that people miss most was touch. Human touch. Human touch. You know, why do you think they have babies in hospitals, crack babies, they want people to come in and hold them and rock them? Physical touch. Physical touch. And that can be taken to an extreme. But it's important that we are able to be so personal with our God that we feel comfortable enough to crawl up in his lap anytime. Anytime. I love when Mallory sits on my lap. I feel like I'm king of the world. You probably feel that way too about your kids. I hope you do anyway. There was a man with this story, painted a picture of this story. And he brought it back, and the guy looked at it and he goes, Nah, that picture's just not right. There's something not right about it. I don't know what it is, but try it again. So he tried a couple more times, the same thing. And finally, the last time he brought it back, he showed it to the man the man goes, yes, that's the picture. This is what was different about the picture. The man was pictured painted running to his son with shoes that don't match. What's that mean? He was so excited that his son had returned, he just grabbed the first two shoes he could find and put them on and ran to him. We need to live our lives with shoes that don't match. We need to get excited about people when they come back, when they come to the Lord, you know, and, and, and we just need to love, we got to love people through all their problems. I'm sure nobody in here has problems. But if you do, you certainly like somebody to love you through them and love you in spite of how you act sometimes, in spite of what you do. But the Lord wants to change you. And the hardest thing to do for me was forgive myself. Forgive myself. Sometimes I still have a hard time doing that. But, you know, the thing about it, too, with with Joy and I, we'll be married 53 years, I told you the other week. And all the things I've done, she's... Once I ask her to forgive me, she's never brought him up again. Lord throws your sins into the sea of forgetfulness. As far as the east is from the west. Just like his hands were on the cross. Because that's what he paid for. It was your sins and my sins. When are we going to realize that the most important thing in our life, the most important relationship in our life is our relationship with Jesus Christ. It's the most important one that we have. Why? Because the Bible says so. What does it say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek him first. Everything else will fall into place. But no, we want to put everything into place and then say, hey, Lord, bless us. Would you come over here and bless our life? No, it's not the way it works. We have to seek him and his will for our life, and then everything else will fall into place. Now, it took 10 years for, for our daughter. We lived through it. It wasn't fun, but we lived through it. The hardest part was for Mallory, because she didn't understand why her sister wouldn't call. She loves her sister. Unfailing love, never-ending love. She doesn't care. It's her sister. We're brothers and sisters, and we need to learn to forgive one another. There's too many petty things that we worry about and hold on to and hold against each other. Against the other people in the church, against the pastor, against somebody in the praise team, uh, a Sunday school teacher, whoever it is, somebody in the class, we hold on and, and want to gripe about things and, and worry about things that are so, so unimportant. So unimportant. Well, Melissa and I have a problem. It's not her. That's the problem. I learned this from Pastor Sue, dear, my dear friend. She said, if you can see the face of the enemy, they're not the enemy. I have a problem with her. We're getting along. It's not us. There's somebody trying to get in between us. And that's Satan. Satan is, man, he is alive and kicking around hard because he knows the ends near. We have to learn to resist him. We need to understand that as soon as we have a difficulty with another person, we need to recognize what the difficulty is. It's Satan. It's not that person. We need to love and pray for that person. Not wait. I'm I'm not talking to them until they apologize to me. They hurt my feelings. Yeah, big deal. <laughs> I don't remember Jesus' feelings get hurt when he was getting beaten and, and hung on the cross. I don't remember him whining and moaning, groaning, complaining about all that stuff. But yeah, we moaning, and groaning about all the little stuff. I'm getting so much better because I used to say crap. And joy would get mad at me, so I don't say that anymore. It is. We do. Think about. Just think about the things that are between you and somebody else, or that's going on. Does it really, really, really matter? Does it really matter in the long run? I don't think so. What matters is that we treat one another with respect, and forgiveness, and love, and compassion. Like the father said, he had compassion. I mean, Jesus, what he even said on the cross, what did he say? Father, forgive them because they you know not what they do. There's lots of times people do things to us. They don't even know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. Another way to say it, why do we expect people to act like Jesus when they don't know him? We hold people accountable for things, and they don't even know Jesus. We expect you to act like him and respond like him. That's It's not happening. It's not going to happen. So today, I urge you from the bottom of my heart, if there are any things you have that are between you and another person that you need to forgive, please do it today. Don't wait. It's only holding you back. God might have an assignment for you that he can't give to you because you've got forgiveness, unforgiveness in your heart. That becomes a huge barrier, a huge barrier. I'm so honored that Pastor Joe asked me to speak because I love this place. We've been up here for a month and I've probably spoken at least twice a week somewhere. Somebody said, Dennis, that's not vacation. I guess sure it is. Preaching's not work, that's fun. That's good stuff. That's easy. Because when God puts something in your heart, it's there, and you can talk all day about him. That's why I gotta start shut up because I'm gonna start talking more of what he's done. But it's like in Psalm 40, it goes on to say, He's done so many things I can't even begin to name them all in our lives. Oh my goodness. And he wants to do, and it's probably done the same in your life, you just haven't taken the time to stop and thank him and praise him and sit and let him remind you of what he has done, the blessings of your life. Let's pray. Father, I, I just thank you so much. <laughs> I love you, Lord. And I love these people. And you love them more than I do. You so need to be the center of our lives so that you can also become the center of this church. I say this all the time. This church, a church will only be as loving as the people that are in it. It will only be as forgiving as the people who are in it. It will only be as generous as the people who attend there. Only be as merciful as the people are merciful that go there. Lord, I pray for each and every person here. First of all, I pray if there's anyone here that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, Lord, that they'll make that decision today. Today is the day of salvation. Lord, touch your heart help them understand all that you did for them, the sacrifice you made for them. Open their hearts. Let their hearts come open to be open to you and your ways, you and your love and compassion and mercy and forgiveness, because as you share with them, it's given to us to share with the world. So Lord, all hands with eyes closed, if there's anybody here who has never Ask Jesus to be the Lord and the Savior. Ask you to raise your hand and put it back down. Anybody here? Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe there's some of you that have been serving the Lord for a long while, but you just gotten a little complacent. Yeah, God's good. He's been good to me. I'm older now. I don't need to do as much in the church. Let the young people do all that. Is anybody that's gotten a little complacent, Lord? I pray that you would once again ignite a fire in their heart a fire to lift you up so people can see a fire to live in them that other people see that fire of Jesus in them and they wonder wow what's different about them is there anybody here that needs a refreshing just raise your hand put it back down anybody need a refreshing from the lord thank you thank you lord <laughs> you're wonderful You're full of mercy and grace. Lord, I pray Jesus over everyone here and every family here, over their health. Protect them. Provide for them, Lord, in only the way that you can do it. We'll be careful to give you all the praise and glory for it. We pray these things in the mighty, mighty, mighty name of Jesus. Amen.